Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. It is September 21, 2021. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday. A lot to get into, as always. Trying to keep it nice and sweet and short as this week rolls along. A lot to look forward to. College basketball actually will be starting up in less than probably a month, I would say or so so that would be something great to look forward to uh gonna dive into some college football and then talk about some of the teams that continue my season previews with the nba 2021-2022 season which should promise to be a really great one and i'm getting to the good teams and the really good teams eventually so stay tuned for that so let me start college football in week three um, you know, obviously, if you look at the season for college football, you know, you've seen a lot of um, impressive uh, performances from some of the teams um, that really started off slow last year. And, you know, now the big games are coming, so you want to see how these teams respond to it. Um, in terms of the rankings, a lot has changed already just because of the early losses by some of the college football playoff regulars, and that would be Clemson and Ohio State. Um, so it's kind of wide open right now outside of, after Alabama and Georgia, the top four can change based on anything. As most people may not, may not know, the college football playoff committee looks at a lot of factors when it comes to ranking these teams and who kind of earns a spot with one another. And so the margin of victory, the quality opponent, really does end up mattering. Uh, more, uh, more so than it has in the past, and so that's what it's going to come down to, you know, with another set of games coming up this week, you know, we're getting some of the big-time matchups, hopefully, and how these teams do fare in those matchups will go a long way um, in deciding their college football playoff hopes. Now, this past week, uh, there were some good games overall, you know, you look at, um, some of the teams that were in action. I mean, some of the results were expected. Um, you know, you obviously saw um, Ohio State and Clemson kind of stay the course and win um, you know, consecutive games uh, in a row. You know, just after what's kind of transpired, uh, you know, with the whole, uh, you know, with, with Ohio State, obviously, you know, Started out with a victory at Minnesota, then lost to Oregon at home, and then bouncing back against Tulsa. Although, you know, that wasn't the kind of performance they need to have, but they still won by double digits, so they'll take that. As for Clemson, I mean, it was just more of a game in which Clemson's defense deserves a lot of credit. Uh, they weren't as impressive on offense. You know, they won 14 to 8 over Georgia Tech, you know. Uh, the defense of Clemson was able to have a goal line stand, preventing Georgia Tech from scoring, you know. So, the Clemson offense definitely has to pick it up a little bit more in the passing game. You know, they can do it, but with all the talent that they've kind of had to kind of, you know, work around, it's been a, been a tough tough thing for, for Clemson. they got to find a way to get that going again so they can kind of match their defense, you know. Look at the top 10 teams, uh, the AP Associated with College Football Rankings. You know, Alabama number one, 
Dungeons number two. Oregon number three. You know, Oklahoma have four. You got number five at Iowa. Number six is Penn State. Seven is Texas A&M. Eight is Cincinnati. Uh, then you have nine, you have Clemson, and ten, you have ten, you have Ohio State. You know, so those are your top ten teams as of right now, heading into week four of the college football season. And so, let me start with Alabama. Alabama did have a close game this weekend after a while. Uh, Alabama went to Florida, you know, it was one versus 11. And this was the first game that was actually kind of close. Uh, but Alabama was able to kind of hold on to the lead. Um, you know, the tie jumped out to a big lead. Uh, Florida fought back, obviously, um, getting some key touchdown drives. Although the Alabama defense gave up almost 440 yards of offense. You know, uh, just that Florida wasn't able to convert that two-pointer conversion in the fourth quarter. And Alabama was kind of put the game away with their with their running game and with their with the Rice Young looked fairly good, although there were those moments where you know it was still a game because of the way that kind of Florida kind of worked its way back in, running the football quite a bit, you know. So Alabama's defense did look a little bit vulnerable um, in the second half. You know, there were opportunities for Florida to to actually win this game, um, and it's, it's just going to be great to see. Uh, how um, you know both teams you know continue on. I mean, in Florida, really, this was a tough loss because they kind of it knocked them out of the t- you know knocked them out of the, like the the top 15, I would say. So Alabama, I mean, like I said, they have a great uh, you know a great roster with a lot of good pieces, and so. Um, you know, if an offense can really kind of match them score for score and kind of keep it close, you know, they can be beat. Um, the question is whether, you know, what game they have now or their schedule that will be a tough one, you know. Um, that remains to be seen. But, you know, they took, they took care of business in a close one over Florida. You know, Georgia winning 40-13 to 13 over South Carolina. Um... A fairly good win, although South Carolina, like I said, compared to Florida, not on their level, but nonetheless, Georgia's going to kind of stay, they're going to have to stay on track to win these games because, you know, the ones that they do, they do have to come back against the SAC in their division, in the conference, they will go a long way to sign their, their hopes for the season, so I expected that. I mean, Oregon obviously took care of their business and their matchup. Oklahoma um, obviously uh, was able to win, but they won by a touchdown over um, Nebraska, which, you know, Nebraska's been an interesting team, but they haven't been, like, obviously a top-ranked team all the time. Uh, but Oklahoma, their offense, the way they, they do play, you expect more from them. So with a touchdown victory looks good. Could have been a little bit better. Um, but they're right there in the mix, like I said. Um, trying to hold off Iowa. Now, Iowa's been really good as of late. Obviously, they've won some impressive games lately with their defense, you know. Um, just with their Indiana, with the Iowa State. So, Iowa's coming, and they have a chance probably to break, you know, get to the top four. 
some you know once they kind of find their themselves you know big time game again I think they have a good chance to make it happen Cincinnati um, is ranked number eight right now in the college football rankings and Cincinnati was able to go on the road and beat the Indiana Hoosiers uh, 30 to 24 you know Cincinnati is a team that is starting to make a really strong case I mean they've been really good the last couple of seasons uh, and now they're getting their chance to prove it against some of the Big Ten competition here. Uh, Cincinnati has a good shot. I think if they can keep it going with their conference. Uh, they're going to need a little bit more help, although, to get into the top five, top four. Uh, but, you know, early signs are, are really good for Cincinnati uh, and the way they're playing right now. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely good to see. And how about Penn State? Penn State... Um, you know, find yourself in a really good spot. Obviously, the whole thing with Penn State last year was what? They got off to a slow start. You know, they weren't able to win those games early on. But now, look at, Glenn, look, look at Penn State now. They're playing some good football. Um, they were able to hold off Auburn at home. Right? They were able to hold off Auburn at home. Um, you know, they have been able to play well. And their big games on the schedule are coming. You know, they will obviously face Ohio State at some point. Maybe Michigan State. Um, you know, Penn State has a good shot. And you see James Franklin kind of getting the start that he wants from his group. Their defense is playing relatively well. And their offense is being able to do just as well. So, Penn State has a chance where I mean, they're obviously ranked number six right now. If they can just find a way to uh, continue to play good football and actually win the big time games coming up uh, it'll be a good sign obviously being Auburn was a, a huge step for them but we know that the whole thing comes down to can they beat Ohio State you know can they beat Michigan State um, you know some of the teams that have given them problems in the past can they beat those teams and, and find a way to remain in the picture and that is what you want to see after all the kind of talk they've had on their defense their offense the last couple of years they're off to a good start they just gotta stay with it and see where they go so regardless Alabama's gonna stay the favorite I mean with Nick Saban Bryce Young they're gonna stay the favorite other teams are starting to make some uh, you know jumps up the rankings but hopefully we'll get some more promising big time matchups coming up some ranked matchups uh, and that will really go a long way in deciding some of the outcomes of the, final, of the final four spots in the basketball playoffs. So in this next segment, I want to talk about two teams that finished um, at the ninth seed. Um, their respective conferences that we the Indiana Pacers and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I'm going to start with the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers went 34 and 38 last season. Um, and they weren't able to obviously make it into the postseason for the first time since 2015 after losing the I think the play-in tournament game against Washington. You know, and Pacers have been a very interesting team to watch as of late. As you know, they used to make the postseason quite a bit, and then they had some roster turnover, and 
we've had a tough time with coaching as well in the last few years where you know there's been a lot of issues coming up um, and the whole thing with Pacers now is trying to get a lot of this young talent that you know they have some good pieces with Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, Kevin Levert. Question is, can they get over the top now and try to make a push back to the postseason where they can actually be competitive enough? Now um, they bring back head coach Rick Carlisle. Um, Rick Carlisle obviously was with Dallas for a long period of time, a lot of success there. Uh, he did start his career. Um, and he did have uh, a run with Pacers back, uh, you know, I think six, seven, eight years ago. Um, Rick Carlisle kind of returns back to Indiana, hoping to get this team uh, back to be really good uh, and playing some good basketball in the postseason again. And so you look at Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, there's the Verge, Sabonis. I mean, they got some really good pieces that. Obviously, they, they did struggle with injuries last season. Obviously, some guys missed quite a bit of games, and there was also that kind of vibe of just, you know, some kind of like locker room dissension. Some players just not get along with the assistant coaches, things along, along those nature. So, the Pacers definitely um, bringing in Rick Carlisle was a great move uh, because we know that Rick Carlisle, the way he was able to coach in Dallas all these years. I mean, he really did a good job of helping in the progress of developing Luka Doncic, um, getting guys to play at a high level, um, and you just saw like a lot of good discipline from from the you know from the Mavericks, the, their players, and how they were developing. So with Indiana, you know, he's got a roster that has got some really good talent, and you know, Miles Turner is still an excellent player; he can really do it fairly well he just needs more help and so in terms of the offense and the way Indiana has kind of run their system the last few years you know you just want to see more consistency and more shooting and more effort from this team especially when it comes down to the games that really matter in the season towards the end you want to see more emphasis so Rick Carla obviously knows his X and O so well um, obviously, he's been able to see a lot of things in the game that he, he can kind of work on the Pacers. And they're going to need that big time. Because they've made their fair share of mistakes in the ownership where, you know, they could have pursued some other coaches early on. But obviously, bringing in a coach last year, Nate Borgic, I think it was Nate Borgican, you know, it was kind of tough for these some of the veterans to kind of work with that coach. And, you know, there were just some things that weren't really working well for the Pacers. You know, the execution wasn't there. The... The total kind of effort wasn't there at, at times, and you know, obviously they are trying to see if they can continue to kind of work and you know add pieces to this roster. But you look at Sabonis, who was an All Star last year. Look at Miles Turner. Look at Malcolm Brogdon. These guys really need to do a lot more. And Rick Carl getting the most out of them is going to help the Pacers get back to being in contention again. So. You know, you just want to see how how well this Rick Carlisle kind of balances lineup. What does he do, do do differently to get these team these players buying in? And that's the whole thing in terms of a locker room presence, in terms of a leader. You know, Rick Carlisle is gonna to have to do a lot. Um, you know, in terms of just being able to get these guys to play at a high level, um, but on these players as well to really adapt and kind of you know, change their games up a little bit. And hopefully, the the coaching staff that Rick Carlisle has assembled in place will help the Pacers do that. 
you know that's what you want to see because they have they have a, a roster that just like if you look at how it kind of matches up against the rest of the Eastern Conference they have some players that can give them you know an edge depending on how they play um it just comes down to consistency and who's going to be that go-to guy for the Pacers will Malcolm Brogdon be that guy you know will he be the one to take that last shot in the game you know will you see Sabonis and Miles Turner's both play well and stretches during the season you know, that's going to go a long way and so hopefully they can kind of avoid the injury bug stay on track play much better I think they'll be back in the same spot this season I think they'll be right there competing for a play-in, play-in tournament spot um, you know I think they still have a good shot to finish as the ninth seed possibly or maybe the eighth seed um, it just comes down to how well do they get pro in development from some of the younger players on the roster and can Rick Carlisle kind of do what last year's head coach couldn't do make adjustments and get these guys to play at a high level because there's guys like TJ Warren um, you know that definitely you got to see just more from them um, and so Pacers I think they'll be right back in the mix of things um, I think they'll be playing for a, a, you know the playing tournament again uh, this kind of season and I think that Rick Carlisle's experience in coaching. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get them back um, close to making the playoff spot. I'm not gonna say they're gonna make the playoffs just yet, uh, just because I think that you know there are some teams. Uh, I think Washington is a little bit better as of right now um, with all the pieces that Washington does have. It's gonna be interesting to see the Pacers can kind of uh, if they start off slow, then they're gonna have a tough time catching up. So. It's going to be down to kind of how they start early on, and they'll find themselves in, in, in a better spot uh, to win a play-in tournament game this year compared to last year. So now I want to transition to talk the Golden State Warriors. Uh, the Golden State Warriors finished 39 and 33 last season. Uh, they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies in that play-in tournament game, which was a great game between Memphis and Golden State. As John Moran obviously had a humongous game, and I think they won that game in overtime, if I remember correctly. Uh, Steph had Steph had a sensational year last year. I mean, career highs in a lot of areas, and just what he can do with off the ball screens and his shooting, obviously, is just um, amazing. And he just keeps on getting better and better. And the way he's able to get, you know, his shots, to get the looks that he gets. Um, the Warriors are hoping to have Clay Thompson back after, obviously, the injuries he had previous season. Uh, Clay Thompson is, I think, expected back by December or end of the year. Um, that is a huge thing for the Golden State Warriors. Like I said, they have a lot of uh, young talent on their roster. With some veteran players, you know, Iguodala obviously coming back um, is a sign, you know. Of, Good leadership along with Draymond Green. Um, seeing these young players develop and be reliable is going to be important around uh, Curry and Thompson and Green. So, you know, Golden State, I mean, just look at their roster. Uh, you know, they came very close last year, obviously, to making the postseason tournament or getting to the, the eighth seed. Um, you know, in terms of their defense, they were actually good defensively. I think they were the top 10, top 11 of, of the league, um, playing relatively well. It's just that some of the players that they do have, obviously, with more experience and more exposure, may be able to take a jump this season. James Wiseman, who obviously did miss time last year due to an injury, 
they're looking to see how James Wiseman does. I mean, he's going to be a big part of the Golden State Warriors' future. Uh, Wiseman, obviously, a very talented big, can shoot, can score, got the size to, to really do a lot. Um, you know, seeing how he progresses in a year or two will be key. Um, you know, they got some other players in Poole and Kaminga. Uh, you know, Wiggins still being there. Auto Porter is now there as well. Um, they've got some talent that obviously Steve Kerr is going to be very, very creative. Um, Golden State, the way you know, they kind of haven't been playing last year or so, I mean, they're going to play small ball, they're going to space it out. Um, obviously, Draymond Green is going to continue to play his game where he's going to rebound and provide assists and passes and stuff. Um, you know, but at some point, Draymond Green with his leadership is talking. You know, he's a great, obviously, a great player and he's going to kind of stick to his game no matter what. You just want to see him be a little bit more. Uh, you know, aggressive on offense, be able to take his shots because we know all those highlights where there's like passes where he just kind of like just, you know, has a wide open shot and nobody comes to challenge him for that shot. He doesn't take it. So, you know, it's just more of how well does Golden State run their offense now with um, trying to get more out of their supporting cast around Steph and Clay. And that's going to be key. But Golden State actually, what they do have in their roster, they have some good assets where they could swing some of these pieces for for a, you know, for a quality player um, down the line. So it's gonna be interesting to see how the Golden State Warriors front office kind of handles this because obviously Steph Curry is kind of locked up for the foreseeable future and building around him uh, is gonna be key. And they do want to make a run back to the to another NBA Finals. You know, they were obviously there quite a bit. Uh, everything kind of changed, obviously, with Durant leaving and then uh, Clay Thompson with the injury. So, how the Warriors kind of keep the young talent around Steph Curry and Clay going to be key. But when both of them are back, you know, when Clay Thompson is back on the court, I mean, you want to see what Clay's going to give you. You know, are they going to be able to be explosive early on, be the same way they used to be? It remains to be seen. I mean, Clay Thompson's been, uh, you know, away from the game for, for quite some time, that injury. Um, how well does Clay Thompson get back into form and shape and his, his motion will be crucial, but obviously they have a lethal backcourt when those two are on the floor and, you know, in terms of their shooting, I mean, it's going to be a huge plus of this team regardless. Um, questions if they have enough on their bench uh, to play well and be competitive, obviously against some of the Western Conference teams. Uh, they could easily get into the top six this year in the West, maybe. Um... You know, I do think that you'll see, uh, see, you know, they obviously shoot a lot of three-pointers, but I think you'll see a lot more uh, from these younger players. And, you know, Steve Kerr's coaching and his ability to get these guys ready is going to be obviously great to watch, you know, as well. So um, how they kind of perform under that is going to be key. Um, this is the Western Conference, if you kind of want to match them up. I mean, they have a good shot to always be, beat Dallas, maybe, with their shooting. Obviously, the Clippers not having Kawhi Leonard. Um, the Lakers, you know, might be a little bit of a challenge. So, you know, Golden State just needs to make sure they don't rush back Clay Thompson too early. Kind of let him get back in form. Uh, and when they have Clay Thompson on the court, it's going to be interesting to watch how, how it goes. Um... You know, obviously with their bigs, you know, with Looney being there and, you know, they got Damian Lee and Moody. They got some really good guard plays and, you know, 
keeping Steph Curry fresh and ready for the fourth quarter is what they have to do in, in this season. You know, obviously Curry played a lot of minutes last season. Uh, you want to keep him like, you know, in, you know, good enough to obviously stay fresh at those key moments. But they're gonna be right back in the mix again. I think this year they're gonna be right back in the mix again this year. I think I have them as an eight seed this year. Um, obviously Memphis might be right there as well um, next to them, and that. Yeah, but I could see them being right there again, having a you know good record, maybe about 40, 49 wins, maybe, um, maybe 50, giving them that. But they should be, you know, one of those teams that's kind of much more better this season with Clay Thompson. If he gets back healthy and is good to go, I think they'll be very hard to stop. That's what you want to see now is go stay at full strength. And hopefully we'll get there probably by the end of the end of the year, and we'll see if they can actually find a way to get back get back to being the pitcher again uh, for an NBA final uh, NBA finals possibly. Next segment, I want to talk some NFL and NBA. Um, I want to start off by talking about the Packers and their win over the Detroit Lions, 35 to 17, yesterday. You know, coming to this game it was obviously widely expected that the Packers were going to win. You know, they had us believe it would be an interesting one in the first half. Um, as the Lions played pretty well, I mean, you saw Jared Goff um, do some okay things in the first half, played relatively well, running game was there, uh, you saw some uh, impressive catches, some of the wide receivers, obviously Hawkinson had a touchdown, um, but ultimately the Lions weren't able to keep up, and I think the turning point in this game uh, last night was really the Lions' fourth down call. I think they were down. I don't know if they were down. Yeah, they were down 14 to 17, or 17 to 21, something along those lines. Um, they just weren't able to convert that fourth down key one, um, and then after that, the Packers kind of kind of broke the game open. You know, they broke the game open. Um, and from there, you know, it was just a wrap as, you know, Jared Goff had a turnover or a fumble, you know, bad snap or mishandling the snap and then had an interception as well. So the Lions, you know, really kind of took themselves out of this game as you know, they were playing well and were within reach and then they kind of got more and more out of reach, which kind of happens when you play the Packers and... You know, look at Rodgers. He was nearly perfect in this game. And I think he had a stat line of uh, like 22 out of 27 for four touchdowns. Um, Aaron Jones on the recipient of those, I believe, or I would say a couple of those. Um, you know, but Aaron Jones had a monster game, obviously. I mean, he had to, you know, he had four touchdowns uh, in total in this game. So you can look at it. I mean. Rodgers just did what he had to do. Obviously, the Lions tried to play a lot of two high safety looks 
um, which allowed the Packers to run the football a lot more for Aaron Rodgers uh, to kind of do his thing, make the passes that were needed down the field to Devontae Adams, to Robert Tunyon. Um, you know, so it was just one of those games where the Packers didn't have a whole lot of mistakes. You know, kind of kept themselves right ahead of schedule. And the Lions had Lions play calling on one of those fourth down situations. They would have ran it or tried a different pass. But, you know, Jared Goff has been able to do some good things so far here in Detroit. Obviously, you see them kind of mixing in a couple of things that he likes. But, you know, a couple of short throws here and there. A couple of key spots where you need to, like, score. He was able to do so, you know. So, Packers defense... You know, they played an okay game. They didn't, you know, do that great either, but they did just enough uh, to keep themselves ahead of the chain. You know, you want to see this pass rush get better. Hopefully with Zedaria Smith maybe to come back next week. Uh, you, you, know, you want to see how this Packers defense kind of continues to play. But there's still a lot of questions, obviously, about, you know, how well this Packers team is going to be. I mean, obviously an early test for them will be next week. They play the 49ers on Sunday Night Football in, in, in California. That would be a big test for them, you know. This defense can't play like this. You know, they were getting kind of gashed, getting beat. Uh, a lot of concepts that, you know, the RPOs and the runs. So this Packers defense needs to show up a little bit more and be better on the back end as well. They were in the, in the end of the game. Starting off, they weren't not so much. So, you know, that's going to be something to really kind of watch out for is, um, Packers being able to kind of you know, run their offense with Aaron Jones because he's obviously so talented and can give you a lot, but also being able to get some stops on defense and get some turnovers as well. So now I want to transition to talking about the NBA a little bit. Uh, J.J. Redick is retiring after 15 seasons. Um, what a good career that um, J.J. Redick had. I mean, always very reliable, obviously, throughout different situations in his career, playing with the Clippers and the Magic, um, obviously hitting a lot of three-pointers, being there at the right time. Um, you know, leader in a pro on and off the court. Uh, obviously, last couple of seasons wasn't that you wanted to be, but, you know, he was really good. Uh, for a period of time and you know just in terms of his ability to get on the court do a lot of things you know create plays and stuff like that uh you know he's gonna be uh you know remember for you know for a lot of times obviously in LA with the Clippers uh he's also in Orlando as well you know he's able to do so uh you know hats off to uh uh, you know, J.J. Redick for his performances throughout his career and definitely up there among the top 20, top 25 or top 30 shooters possibly in case for that as well. And now I want to get back to the NFL for a second. <laughs> so I have been talking about obviously a lot of week two results and would say that, you know, I have probably had about the same kind of record um, this week, I think maybe seven and nine or eight and eight. Gotta go back and check that out. But I want to rank my top five teams entering uh, week three. You know, coming up this season, uh, coming up this week, um, based on obviously the performances that we saw 
ranking these teams for top five as of right now, considering all the things that we've seen for us in the first two games. Number one, I'll give it to the Bucks because they are the defending you know, Super Bowl champions. Be the Cowboys at home in a game in which they could have almost lost, but they still won that game. And then, you know, yeah, Atlanta is obviously not a great opponent. Um, but then again, you know, you do start off with look at how they've looked um, through these first two games. It's just really hard to beat the Bucks if you don't play a perfect game, and that's what it seems like it's been kind of going on. So I'll keep the Bucks at number one. Number two, I have the LA Rams. I mean, they start off against Chicago, won that pretty easily, beat a good Indianapolis Colts team on the road at Indy. Where this offense is playing with Stafford is pretty good. I think it will remain that way. Um, you know, they will probably get, they will have their true test, I would say, uh, this coming week because they host the Buccaneers. Um, uh, you know, at home this week, so that will be a huge game, no doubt. Uh, but the Rams have looked fairly good overall as an offense to defense. Um, so I'll put the number two. At number three, uh, I'm going to put the Las Vegas Raiders at number three. Now, I know what people are saying, how can you put the Las Vegas Raiders ahead of the Chiefs and the Ravens? Let me correct that. I'm going to put the Ravens ahead of... <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm keeping it as is. I'm keeping it as is. I'm, keep, I'm keeping the Raiders ahead of the Chiefs. And the reason why is because the Raiders beat the Chiefs week one. And no matter what it was, the Raiders won that game. And they beat, like they beat the Ravens in week one. They beat the Steelers in week two. Raiders have a, a very interesting team. Derek Carr is playing fairly well. You know, I'm not convinced yet that the Packers belong in the top five. Nor do I believe the Cardinals or the Panthers belong in, you know, belong in the top five just yet. Considering the quality of victories and the points that they faced, Raiders are put at number three because if they've beaten Ravens and Steelers, a pretty good start to the season for the Raiders. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. At number four, um, I'm going to put the Ravens there because they obviously won in an impressive fashion against the Chiefs. They almost came away with a win against the Raiders, but they came short. Uh, and I put, I put them above the Chiefs at number five. Uh, Kansas City obviously hadn't lost in the month of September uh, with Mahomes under center. You know, the Chiefs have been really perfect in the month of September with Patrick Mahomes um, under center. They came up short. Um, their defense has looked a little bit worrisome the first two games, you know, giving up obviously 20 plus points. You know, um, they haven't been able to stop anybody as well. You know, so I think that at top five, I said Tampa Bay, got the Rams, I got the Raiders at number three, I got the Chiefs at number five, and I got the Ravens at number four. Um, however you put it, obviously there's a long way to go, but heading into this week, these teams may stay or move up a notch, and I think that. The Rams have a good shot to kind of move up and maybe take over the number one spot this week. But to me, like I said, the Packers, um, you know, they won. You know, they won against the against the Lions last night. And you, they were expected to win that game anyways. And look, they still haven't looked 
crisp yet on both sides of the ball, so they don't block in my top five just yet. Cardinals, I mean, I like what Kyler Murray is doing. I think he's going to be really good this season, but there's still a lot of big games that I want to see the Panthers play in and actually win before I can give them, you know, a victory. I mean, they beat Tennessee, which was impressive, all right? They kind of came away with a close victory over the Vikings. Uh, I want to see more from the Cardinals. And for the Panthers, to me, look, they beat the Jets week one. I mean, it wasn't impressive in the second half. All right, week two, they beat the Saints, which was kind of impressive. It definitely was. But, you know, I'm not ready to believe that they're going to be a top five team right now in terms of, if you, you know, in the conversation. I don't think they belong there just yet. You know, so that is going to be something to watch out for. So there's my top five uh, teams heading into week three. And I'm going to cap it off with talking about Ben Simmons. The report came out that Ben Simmons is, you know, there's no way he's going to be reporting to the Sixers this season or training camp. He wants to be traded. He's made that clear. And so now the Sixers are in a tough spot because, you know, they are hoping to have, you know, hopes again of getting back to the postseason, getting back to the conference uh, finals, maybe, or semifinals. And they just haven't been able to find the best trade partner for Ben Simmons, nor do they want to trade him because they know that with his talent and his caliber, you know, they're not going to they want to get somebody back, somebody in return that can help them win right now. And you look at around the league, there's very few teams that are going to really be trading for Ben Simmons right now because most rosters are already set. And so how does this play out between Ben Simmons and the 76ers? To me, Ben Simmons sitting out games um, and missing to not come to the Sixers, it just really feels like he's kind of in over his head. <laughs> That's what I think it is to me. At this point, Ben Simmons has nothing to gain, um, in my opinion, of sitting out games or missing games and getting fined. I mean, yes, you got a four years left on your contract. You get paid a lot of money. You know eventually teams want to see how you have been able to work on your game the off season so you're gonna go and not play for the sixers where clearly you do need to play and show teams that are going to be willing to be trade for you to be interested in getting you you gotta show them something based on what we saw last time from simmons obviously there was a lot of scrutiny you know i hope ben simmons doesn't fall find himself in the spot where you know, he's going to be not going to be able to play this season at all. You know, he's going to have to show up at some point and, and play. Um, if he plays, you know, maybe he'll be able to get a, a better uh, get on a better communication page with the, the front office. But if he doesn't, you know, the situation is going to get probably a lot more messier than it has to. Um, I don't see the Sixers trading him for, you know, a couple of players. Um, it would be a mistake if they didn't get more for him. So, you know, which team really comes forward and tries to go after him is going to be interesting. Um, you know, can they find a way to kind of freeze up that cap space? There's a long way to go for that. So, it's pretty dicey. I think that, you know, we've kind of seen the situations in the past in the NBA with kind of stars holding out for a contract or for a trade. Most of the time, the players do get their ways, and so Ben Simmons may get his way, but I would not be surprised if the Sixers waited 
all the way till the trade deadline to do anything about it. So hopefully it's sooner than that. But if not, Ben Simmons is going to have a lot of choices to make. Um, and, the, and then only the attention and the pressure will only grow on him. Um, so hopefully he's ready for that. Because uh, if, he, if he goes this route, he's going to kind of face what James Harden faced last season. After coming over, coming over from Brooklyn, wherever he does land up next, if he doesn't start playing up to, up to, up to standards, there's going to be a lot of questions about him and his future in the NBA after that.